The Sesame Workshop has a long history of working with the Defense Department. Its goal is to help children of service members adapt to the sometimes difficult living conditions they face, all those moves. This year, the Muppets are tackling, you guessed it, race and diversity. For more, Federal News Network's Scott Massioni spoke with the workshop vice president, Maria Del Rocio Galarza. As many people know, we've launched a new initiative called Coming Together. And the initiative is a Sesame Workshop-wide initiative where we are um, developing materials around racial justice. In one of the, this is the third push actually for some of the materials for Sesame Street in communities, but this is actually um, something that started uh, some time ago. What was important for us is to develop materials that specifically address communities that we serve, and one of them, of course, is the military community. We've been uh, part of the military community, we feel definitely an important part of the military community since uh, 15 years ago when we started our initiatives. We've been learning so much. And um, when uh, the, the effort came about of coming together, we wanted to make sure that we addressed exactly what the military uh, families were needing. Um, and they do all have unique needs, as, as we know uh, from, from our history together. And so we wanted to reach out to military families, understand what those needs were, and then create resources that address them. This new program that you're doing, you said it's Sesame Workshop-wide, and it's working on things like race, inclusion, diversity, and those sorts of things. How does this program with military families, how do you cater this more toward them compared to the the more Sesame Street Workshop-wide type initiatives? So the military community has specific needs. And... Part of it is because uh, the community is exposed to a lot of diversity. Uh, Military families travel so much and see so much. Um, And within the military families, there's also a lot of diversity because we know that um, military uh, families really come from different backgrounds and race and um, and culturally ethnicity. Um, So for us, it's important to, uh, to address that. There's a lot of children that are, for example, biracial. Um, the, the community, because it is so diverse, it presents a lot of opportunities. It's actually, it's, it's very, um, it, it's very uh, needed for families to be able to talk about the differences that they're observing and they're, they're around, you know, around them, the environment. And so what military families were telling us is that they, they needed resources um, that were age-appropriate to, to continue those conversations. The conversations are happening because diversity is there, um, but they wanted more resources so that they could feel more comfortable that they're doing um, uh, these conversations in an age-appropriate way. And obviously this past year has been one where we have thought a lot about race and diversity because of the protests, because of the things that have happened with police. Was your decision to work on diversity this year informed partly because of just the things that have been happening nationally? Absolutely. That's definitely an, an impetus for us to be more explicit about race and racism. And when it comes to military families in particular, um, because military families are um, so service-oriented, they, they really do have this as, a, as their purpose. Um, they wanted to know how to be what we're calling upstanders, how to help um, themselves and others when they're confronting um, unfair situations because of their, the color of their skin, where they're from, the language that they speak. 
um, uh, they wanted to really know concretely what they could do, what steps they can do. And what do the children and parents see when they log on to the website, when they work with the resources that you have? What explicitly are they doing uh, as, as far as worksheets or games, things like that? So we have a, a range of materials. One, some of the materials, um, for example, one of them is uh, an interactive where you see children of... Um, with different backgrounds, and they're doing their self-portrait, and the the little child and their family are creating their self-portrait as well. Um, and as part of this uh, exercise, they are exposed to different ways of, of describing oneself, um, and um, and they also get uh, to to explore how they would describe themselves in a self-portrait. In addition to this, we have videos where we encourage families to have a conversation around skin color and, and what race means. We also have another video where they explore the concept of upstander and what does that mean. Listen, Act, Unite is the strategy for, for upstandership. And we also have a music video called Great Things. And the music video really highlights how to take care of ourselves. And part of it is because we've heard so much that um, this, this topic is difficult. It's difficult for a lot of families that are impacted greatly. And, um, and they wanted to have um, a focus on self-care. How do I take care of myself and my family when some of these incidents really can uh, um, impact uh, our day-to-day? And could you talk a bit about the specific Muppets that are involved in this and maybe why you chose those Muppets in particular? Yes, we have uh, Wes and Elijah, who are part of our Sesame Street communities, communities materials related to racial justice. Um, we also have um, Elmo and Rosita. And we have Elmo and Rosita because they have been part of the Military Families Initiative for 15 years. Um, Elmo's dad is in the military, we've established that, and Rosita's dad is a veteran. So um, for, for us, it's, it's very important, of course, to include them in this initiative and making sure that they, um, they're, they're part of, of presenting these important messages. And finally, could you talk a little bit about the um, work that went into creating these materials? I know that Sesame Workshop works really hard to work with child psychologists and, and other sorts of groups to ensure that these are resources that will actually be very beneficial to children and their parents. Absolutely. We, we work with a group of experts. We have advisories where the experts can tell us uh, what they think are the main messages and strategies that we should be uh, following to help children and families. We also have focus groups with families themselves, and we really ask parents what they need and what are some of the, the issues and, and the topics that they might want to address. We have also a focus group with providers, and the providers tell us what's happening in their programs, and some of them serve families, some of them serve children themselves. And so it's it is a mix of all of these different um, groups of people that in, that um, tell us what what are the main messages that we should include in our materials and also the approach. Maria Del Rocio Galarta, Vice President of Educational Content for U.S. Social Impact at the Sesame Workshop, speaking with Federal News Network's Scott Mossioni. Check out Scott's story at federalnewsnetwork.com.
Hello, and welcome to the Lessons in Leadership podcast. I am your host, Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA. Today, I'm thrilled to be joined by Vice Admiral Cutler Dawson. Cutler has had an incredible career serving our country for 35 years in the Navy, where he attained the rank of Vice Admiral. During his service, he had numerous assignments afloat and ashore, including Commander, Second Fleet, Striking Fleet Atlantic, and in Washington at the Pentagon and on Capitol Hill, where he was the Navy's Chief of Legislative Affairs. Immediately following his retirement from active duty in 2004, he became the president and CEO of Navy Federal Credit Union, the world's largest credit union, where he served for 14 years. Under his leadership, Navy Federal grew from 2 million to 8 million members. Phenomenal. Cutler, welcome and thanks for joining me. Thank you, Shane. You've had a fascinating career across both military and the private sector. Can you tell us a little bit more about your background and your professional journey? Well, I started out at the Naval Academy where I graduated in 1970. And then, as you mentioned, spent 35 years in the Navy um, with uh, six actual actual, uh, afloat commands. Uh, The first one was when I was 27 years old. Uh, I didn't know enough to be scared of anything. And it was uh, probably one of the highlights of my career. Um, And then after I retired, after 35 years, I went to uh, work at Navy Federal Credit Union as the CEO, where I spent my next 14 years. Um, I'm I'm currently retired and enjoying life. And um, it's been a great run for me. How would you describe your leadership style? And how's that developed over the years? My style has been quite con- consistent. Um, I believe, and I've learned this in the Navy, that you have to go to the deck plates uh, to see what is going on. And you have to learn what your people do and how they do it so you can help them to be better at it and more efficient and more productive. Um, it's um, something that you need to do all the time. Um, I remember I used to tell folks that um, you don't want to retreat to your cabin and what I mean by that is um, the longer you're in a position, the less you think you have to get out and about. But that should be the opposite. You should get out and about more because people change, situations change, and you've got to figure out a way to get to them and find out what they're doing and where, what you can do to help them. Uh, I. We'll talk a little bit more about your book, but I read it um, from C to the C-suite. Fantastic read. You talk about the deck plates in that um, as well. I would encourage everyone to get a copy of this and read some more detail about going to the deck plates. Cutler, who was the most impactful leader in your life and what quality did you admire about them? I had numerous while I was in the Navy, but uh, the quality that, that I enjoyed the most was the leaders that got to know me as an individual. And that they cared about me. And I could tell that they cared about me. And they were not only my leaders, but they were my mentors. And um, I remember um, one particular one, Bill Schiffer, when I had my first assignment at the Pentagon. Um, I would go in to see him with my problem of the day. And I knew that he had numerous problems of his own, but he would stop and he would focus on me. And he would make me feel like I was the most important person in his world. Um, and I, I tried to do that um, throughout my career. But really, it's about caring for your people. Cutler, in reading your book, there was a quote you used 
that you use to inspire those people that work for you. And it really got my attention. And it was, it was, you are the captain of your own ship. I wonder if you can talk a little bit about what that means and how it was useful to you and the leaders you were developing. Uh, absolutely. Um, what I mean by captain of your own ship, when you are the captain of a ship, sometimes you're in the middle of the ocean and you don't have anybody to turn to, to make decisions. You don't have anybody to turn to ask, what should I do now? You have to be the captain of that ship. And I, I translated that um, into, let's say, Navy Federal's organization, where I would tell branch managers that I said, you are the captain of the ships of Navy Federal. You're the ones that are facing the, the members or customers, as others call them, every day. And you have to make decisions without a lot of guidance, in some cases, and without a lot of time. So be the captain of your own ship. Step up, uh, make decisions, uh, do what you think is right, and you never can go wrong. I think that is so important. And you have to give your people a little bit of latitude to take some risk as well, because there is risk for them in doing that and risk to your organization. That's right. And, and I mentioned that I took command of my first ship uh, with five years in the Navy, and I was 27 years old. Well, my boss had 32 years in the Navy, and um, his, his guidance to me when I first met him was, Cutler, you do the right thing, and I'll back you up all the way. What a wonderful way to, to spend an assignment with, uh, with backup and, and guidance like that. What, what great, great advice. Uh, it's clear leadership is a topic you're passionate about. You wrote the book we mentioned before, um, From Sea to C-Suite. Can you tell us a little bit about that project? Yes. When I was at Navy Federal, I would tell sea stories uh, as parables to get my point across. And um, folks would tell me, Cutler, we like your stories. It gives us a picture of what you're trying to tell us. Now, what else are they going to say? They work for me, but uh, uh, I took it as a compliment, and it was. And my wife encouraged me to write a book, and I needed a co-author to help me. And I found a lady named Taylor Keelan, who was the perfect, perfect co-author. She turned in my stories into wonderful chapters um, that I'm very proud of. Where can listeners find a copy? Well, you can get it on Amazon, uh, and you can also uh, get it on the Naval Institute website. Uh, and I might add that um, any proceeds from the book Navy Federal uses uh, to give to charity. Fantastic. Cutler, thank you very much. Really enjoyed your time and your lessons in, in leadership and sharing with us your life story. And, and uh, I've learned a lot both from talking to you today and reading your book. And thank you very much for your time. It's my pleasure. And I, I, I would like to add one thing if I could, Shane. <laughs> um, during my assignments in Washington, D.C., I gain the utmost respect for the civilians that work here every day. They're hardworking, they're dedicated, and they, they have my eternal gratitude. Uh, I got to come and go from the Pentagon. They stayed every day and worked in Washington when I got to go out and um, enjoy being at sea. Perfect. Thank you. Yeah, we, WEPA serves civilian federal employees, but your comment is well taken because the interaction between the two is is continuous, it's nonstop, and it's critical. So uh, the career civil servants 
as well as career military, uh, our country would not be where it is today without them. I totally agree. And, and I can tell you from the U.S. Navy standpoint, uh, we couldn't operate like we do without them being the backbone of what we do. Thank you very much for your time today, Cutler. And to everyone listening to Lessons in Leadership podcast, we'll see you next time. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus, and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.